I'm Kasada Bullman. Today, my guest is Chef Dustin Everett. He joins us from Manhattan, where currently he's executive chef at Fish Cheeks, a contemporary seafood-focused Thai restaurant in NoHo. Chef Everett has worked in many restaurants, including Pig and Cow and Momofuku Sambar. We'll be discussing how to be mentally tough in impossible situations. And we explore the concept of conscious communication. Plus, staying grounded, rooted in desire, and out of fear all at the same time is not easy to balance. We'll talk about the struggles and the wins on the journey. So I'll start by asking, as we always do, have you eaten yet? This could be a meal from today, or it could be a meal from any time in your life that you have a really great memory about. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I have not eaten yet today. It's a little early for me to eat, but um, there is a meal that I would like to talk about. Um, when uh, I think about eating, it's uh, probably, five, probably about five or six years ago in Siena, in the Tuscan region of Italy. Um, it's a small city. Um, I was there with my ex-girlfriend and family, and um, there's not a lot of... Uh, you know, um, off the beaten path kind of restaurants. There's a lot, you can kind of get stuck into the tourism there. Um, and you know, there's not a lot of back alleys and, you know, we decided one night to go off into those back alleys and try to find something. And we did, um, think about like eating like the 1700s, um, 1800s. It was literally a, it looked like a cave. Honestly, everything was stone, very cold in the restaurant. Um, it was lit by candles, but the cool thing was, as you walked in, and it was one family running the whole place. Um, that just meant a lot to me because, you know, in the States here, it's very hard to end uh, this business to have a family and um, have kids. And just because of the time and to go over somewhere where the family is just that's what they do, you know, and they appreciate it. You know, the dad and son were cooking. The mom and the daughter were the hosts and the waitress. And the way they took care of you, they just you, you thought you were part of their family. And, um, you know, to me, that was just it was a very special moment in my life. And it, uh, it just sticks out. It's probably one of my favorite meals ever. Wow. Wow. Just that setup. I love how you described it's a touristy part. You know, it's the area you actually set out to look for something off that beaten path. You find that <laughs> the description of the cave, yeah. the candles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very cool. They let me go back into the kitchen and, um, you know, cook with the dad a little bit. It was just it was just so cool. You know, they hadn't seen a chef from New York and I wasn't even a big chef from New York. But for them, it was just they heard I was from New York and they were taking pictures with me. And it was just such a great experience. And just to have something like that where you can. Um, you know, just where the family's part of it. And it's just something that I don't, you don't see a lot over here. So for me, it was just something that was very bad. Oh, wow. I love that story. What a great way to yeah. start this podcast. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. your background is cooking Asian fusion with Filipino, Vietnamese, and Thai influences. What about this cuisine spoke to your soul? Um, honestly, just, uh, the, um, the culture, um, it's just such an old school and everything is a family-based recipe. Um, you know, I've done fine dining up and I've done all, all across the boards and cooking. Um, and you know, to me, I, I just love rustic cooking. I love just, um, it's not about the plating. It's about the food, right? It's about the, it's about the spices and it's about how you cook it. It's why you cook it. It's where it's from. Um, you know, there's all reasons for all that stuff. And um, for me, that just kind of really drew me to Southeast Asian cooking. Um, it's the same with because I'm classically Italian trained, actually. And it's kind of this, it's not the same food, obviously, but they're very much similar in that way. Is It's just, you know, it's your grandmother's cooking. It was her grandmother's cooking. And that's kind of where it comes from. And there's reasons why it comes from that. You know, there's different regions, there's different parts. And um, it just really drew, I just really drew that to me. And I love the flavors and the spices and uh, just how, you know, old school it is, you know, moral pestle, pock, pock, you know, not using, not using um, all the, you know, new age cooking stuff, you know, you just, you stay old school. And I like that. Do you remember the moment? Was there a moment, a dish, um, a time, a place where you're working where you thought, yeah, I think, I think this, this might be my direction. 
Yeah, it was when I moved to New York. Um, you know, I mean, obviously in New Orleans, there's a big uh, Vietnamese community, and um, I ate a, I ate a lot of Vietnamese food over there, and that was kind of my first real um, introspective of all that um, of the Southeast Asian cooking. But when I moved to New York and I started working with David Chang and Momo Fuku, um, I really got to know some of the really nuances of the Southeast Asian cooking and some of the um, different ingredients and why they do it. And then just being in New York, you know, I mean, New York has so many different options and you learn so much more when you come to New York, you know, that was why I wanted to come here. And um, there's so many different cultures and, you know, you literally get to immerse yourself in the culture while you're doing it. You know, you go to Queens and literally are in, you feel like you're almost in Thailand or you're in Southeast Asia because it's just, that's the community you're in. So um, yeah, that's kind of what really drew me to it. I'd like you to get a little introspective. You're a chef right now working in one of the best cities in the world. You've had experiences in many different kitchens. Looking back at yourself from 10 years ago, what's one piece of advice that you'd give that younger version of yourself? Um, not to, would not, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, you know, know that you're going to, you're going to, you have the passion for it. Um, you have the drive for it. Uh, you know, learn from your mistakes. Don't be so down on yourself when you do them. Um, you know, that's only going to make yourself better. Uh, it's probably what I'd keep, you know, and just keep going, keep driving. Um, you know, there was days that you just, you, you know, you hang your head down hardships, you know, when you're that line cooking. Um, you know, I would just tell them, tell my younger self, just to, uh, keep that drive, you know, keep that fire in there. Um, uh, don't lose it. Once you lose it, you're, this isn't the, this isn't the game for you. Um, so yeah, I would just tell them to keep going, you know, and just, you know, learn from the mistakes. Don't get down on yourself. Um, be tough. Isn't it amazing how you can look back, you know, five, 10 years ago, six months ago, anything when you're in what seems like an impossible situation and be like, <laughs> I thought that was the end of the world. I thought that was it. I thought that was, come on, just like I couldn't get out of it. And then you look back, you're like, wow, I was in my head. Yep. It was all me. It was all me. It's, it's, it's so true. You know And I mean? You're right. That probably happened last week to me. You know, I was like, wait, am I going to make this? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you spent time in New Orleans early in your career. And I'm wondering what impact did that city have on you as a chef? Um, well, it, uh, New Orleans was a big part of it. Um, you know, I actually was uh, in the front of house before I moved to New Orleans. Um, I was drawn to the back. Uh, my dad's in the business, and um, uh, he's in the he's a restaurateur. And uh, you know, I was drew to the I went to the front of house and. Um, I just, you know, by the end of it, when I was in Florida I, uh, and after college and after doing it for a couple of years, I always was drawn to the kitchen and drawn to food. And so I just picked up and moved to New Orleans and started all over um, as a line cook. I was a little late in the game. I was 24, 25 when I did it. Um, not, not really many, much experience in the kitchen. Um, and uh, so it kind of created me as a line cook, kind of taught me the ins and outs and, um, you know, taught me how tough it was and taught me how to uh, really get through it. And, um, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for New Orleans. You know, when I was there, it was still, it was, I mean, still is a big food city, but it was really, really going. There was a lot of big chefs there still. And, um, you know, and everybody was still there and I was able to be ex- experience that and get be a part of that. And then after New Orleans, you head to New York city and you start working alongside chef David Chang at Momofuku Sambar. And you were a sous chef there and spent four years in that role. I'd like you to take us back to that time in your life when you're in a new city, a new job, and I'm going to roll a few questions into one. The goal is for you to bring us into your life back then. Are there any highlights or hurdles that stand out during this time? And what was a typical day like for you back then? Um, yeah, I mean, there was highlights and hurdles every day. Um, you know, that was, uh, when I was, when I got accepted to, uh, join David Chang's team at Sambar, that was very important to me. That was why I moved to New York. Um, the actual reason I wanted to work with him, um, was the toughest four years of my life. Uh, it was a grind, you know, 14, 15 hour days. Uh, you do it, you know, you just, you want to get better. You're working with the best chefs in the world, you know, um, I was one of the only two kids from the USA that was even working on the squad at that point. You know, a lot of the kids were from overseas or Australia, London, 
uh, Southeast Asia. And like, they, you know, we were all chefs somewhere else. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, the hurdles every day was just going in and um, getting getting ready for your shift. Uh, you know, it was a, it was such a grind. You know, you go in at 11. Um, you'd have to be ready by five o'clock. We fabricated all of our own meats. We did all of our own prep, um, running up two flights of stairs to get set up in the kitchen, uh, with all that equipment. Um, you know, and the highlight was getting through every shift, without, uh, without getting yelled at or without, uh, you know, you know, just, uh, making some of the best food in New York. And, um, it really taught me how to be a chef and taught me, um, how to create, taught me how to, uh, put um, flavors together, um, really be able to plate things. Um, I always, the easiest way I can put it is, uh, you know, it's like a horse running a race. It, like my blinders were kind of taken off of me, um, you know, and that, and um, when I was at Sambar, it was really the one that, that's really the place that molded me into who I am as a chef. Um, you know, the team that was there, you know, some of the highlights for me was just going out after work with the team and us talking about service and, um, you know, just that, because like, I mean, you spend 14 hours a day with these guys and I mean, you're grinding at all. I mean, you're in there nonstop um, and to be able to go out and have a drink and talk about it, laugh about it and then just wake up and do it again. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, you know, and a typical day was, like I said, you know, you get in at 11, 12, get set up, you get your cutting board ready, get your pans ready, get your knives and your mise en place and then you get your prep list. Um, four o'clock, you start running upstairs to get set up for service and then five o'clock service starts. Um, you're not done till midnight Then you close down, clean up, get that, get out of there about two o'clock. You know, we go have a drink, three, get home about four, wake up, do it all over again. <laughs> now, the time when you were there, this is the original Sambar location. Is that right? Yeah, so this is 207. This is the original. I got there in two, the end of 2009. So this is the building, from what I've heard, it was very old, right? Or there were a lot of like, it was a very old building and there were a lot of things that made it also a challenge oh, yeah. even being there, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very old. The bottom basement, you had to like, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't consider myself tall, but I'm around six feet and you'd have to bend over just to get around because the basement was so little, was so small. Those ceilings were so, uh, were so small. Um, a lot of bending over. Um, like I said, two flights of stairs to get to a kitchen. There was a lot of, it was a lot of little nuances that weren't, uh, <laughs> that weren't exactly ideal, but, uh, yeah, you know, you got through it and it made you better. It made you more efficient. Um, you know, it makes you, it makes you under, appreciate the nice things when you actually get to a restaurant that might be a little bit newer and you get like newer, newer things. So, you know, it's all, it's all, uh, it, it, I think it's all worth it. What was it like during this time? At one point, I remember early of Sambar, it was a very chefy place. So the people that were coming in, like chefs were coming in after service or like, you know, at the end of the night, what, what, point were you working there? Was it a chefy place where a lot of chefs were coming in or was it, you know, on the come up and going into more mainstream? Um, I was probably at the end of the chefy place. There were still a lot of chefs that came in. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was still, you know, we had Wiley Dufresne, Lorinades, Red Teppies when they're in town, Alex Atalas. Uh, they were all there. They would all come in and eat. Um, they would all come, on, come in and hang out. Uh, but I was a little more towards the end of that. And so when we really started uh, coming up, you know, I was part of that team that got ranked 27th in the world on, on San Pellegrino. And then we got ranked 25th in the world of San Pellegrino the next year, which has been his highest ranked restaurants those two years. Um, so I was really part of that team where we kind of really blew up and it started just becoming very, the place to be, it was a hot scene in the East Village, Sambari. I mean, you couldn't get in unless you knew, so, you know, it was just a very hot scene. It was a very, very busy restaurant when I was there. What was it like experiencing, you know, being part of that team and having prestige behind it, winning awards, being named? I mean, it was amazing. You know, it was the first uh, time in my life that I'd ever experienced that. And, um, you know, and I came up to compete. That's why I came up to New York. So I just wanted to prove to myself um, that I could do it. You know, New Orleans was good and there's a lot of good chefs there. But New York is New York, you know, and um, I wanted to compete with some of the best chefs around the world. I wanted to show I wanted to teach. I wanted myself to know that I could do it and um, that this is really what I want to do. And this is really who I am. And, um, there's a reason why I'm back while I'm here. And, um, yeah, it was very important to me. I was, I mean, it's obviously it makes you so proud, you know, I mean, there's not, there's no, I mean, I look back on that point in time and, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's some of the proudest cooking I've ever done, honestly, it's some of the toughest cooking I've ever done. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. 
What was one dish during that time that you were most proud of? Um, I would say, uh, probably when, um, you know, when I got to the meat station and that's the hardest station there, I would probably say the duck dish, uh, our duck breast and confit duck leg. Uh, it was this, obviously it was a dish that we would sell 40, 50 a night, super hard to keep up on. Um, I thought I did a very good job of, uh, you know, putting that dish out and, uh, making sure that it came out perfect every time. I was also, there was a flat iron dish that we had flat iron steak dish that we did that, um, you know, you got cook everything to temperature. You know, I just think almost when you're on that station, anything you put out on that station, you have to be very proud of it because that is the station, you know, I mean, you're putting out most of the dishes. Um, and you know, at that point in time, everything has to be perfect. If it's not perfect and you're in trouble or it gets pushed back and then your service is going down. So, you know, it's, um, you know, but I would say either the duck or the flat iron. I mean, those are the two hardest dishes to keep putting out, um, you know, just um, one after the other, one after the other and making sure everything's perfect. Um, you know, it was very difficult, but I'm very proud of that. I recently heard an interview with Brene Brown. She was talking about how to be mentally tough in impossible situations. She said, quote, the core of mental toughness is actually self-compassion. People who are mentally tough stay mentally tough because they don't slip easily into shame or self-criticism or self-loathing. Researchers from Stanford University agree with Brown, saying, quote, when you feel like you're not performing at your best, self-criticism makes you more emotional and unable to learn from your mistakes, though self-compassion makes you more resilient. When it comes to mental toughness, what's your journey been like? Um, you know, I think we've kind of hit this note uh, a little bit, but you know, I was very hard on myself in the beginning. Um, but you know, at, at points, I think you gotta, uh, criticize yourself to an extent, but I, I believe in what she said. I mean, I think you gotta have that compassion and gotta understand at the end of the day, as long as you learn from it, um, then you're going to, you're on the right path. Uh, but it was very tough for me in the beginning. Um, you know, it was very tough for me. I've always been very hard on myself and whatever I do, but, um, you know, especially in cooking, you know, I was just, you know, I would, you have a bad shift. I, I used to hang my head and just kind of be like, what did I do wrong? And I'd go through it and go through it. And I don't think it would necessarily make me any better. You know, I was overthinking things and then you come in and you overthink things and then you do the same, you make the same mistakes. Um, what I've learned now is, you know, it's, if, if it happens, learn from it and that's it. You know, that, that's all, that's all anybody can ask. It's the same I ask of my line cooks, you know, like if, I, if you, if you make a mistake, if I, if I come and I reprimand you, or if I tell you the mistake, all I ask is for you to learn from it. That's it. Um, you know, and just move on, just move on. Um, forgive yourself. Everybody makes mistakes. This is a, I mean, everybody does. It's a life of mistakes. Um, it's just about learning from it. And, um, it took me a while. It really did. But, um, once I realized that you got to, um, you just got to learn from them and move on. And that's the best way to do it. I think that's when I, I finally actually could call myself a chef and could actually lead a team. Um, and could, until I realized that for myself, I don't think I was able to lead a team because I think I was harder on them and then it would, I would fall back on myself and then I'd be criticizing myself for that too. So, um, you know, I, the self-compassion is a big thing, um, you know, and it's, it's always a mental journey. I mean, I'm still, I'm still going at it, you know, every day, every shift, you know, you go home every night, you always want to think of how you can do better. But at the end of the day, know that you just did the best you can. And, you know, um, that's it. We're not saving lives in the kitchen. We're, we're you know, we're here cooking and, you know, there's going to be mistakes. Um, that's what happens. You yeah, know? absolutely. You spent time traveling through Europe and working as a private chef. You did some pop-ups. Tell us about one of your favorite memories from this time in your life. Oh, oh man, there's so many, but, uh, I mean, you know, obviously just being in Europe and traveling, uh, it was an amazing time. I mean, learning from those chefs up there and, um, you know, I was in Italy at that time and, uh, it's just a different style of cooking. It's a different, um, it's just a different, a different atmosphere. Um, you know, it's the grind is not necessarily as, as much there. I was in doing, when I was there and cooking, I was in smaller places, you know, I was right outside of Parma and, um, cooking on like a farm and it wasn't like that high necessarily intense cooking it's more about um you know the appreciation of cooking and um appreciation of like you know we would 
sit there and butcher our, we would like raise the animals and then have to butcher them ourselves, which is something that emotionally is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, but you also realize once you're fabricating this animal and then you're cooking it, that the last thing you're going to do is disrespect this animal by ruining it, you know? So it teaches you the appreciation of what you do and why you do it. And, um, you know, it was just, it's just a beautiful place. You know, it's like I kind of said on the Sienna thing, it's all about family and it's about, you know, the culture of what they do things that, why they do things there. No one's really in a too much of a rush. It's, uh, you know, you go through a three hour service, um, you know, for lunch, maybe like two hour service for lunch. Then you guys sit down, you have an hour and a half family meal, you drink some wine, and then you get that back for dinner. You do another three hour service and it's the end of the day. Everyone's happy. Everyone's there. You know, you cook some good food. You, everyone's laughing. Um, you know, it's just, I think, honestly, just being in Europe and at that time for me was just a great experience. It kind of showed me a different style, a different way of being able to manage and like uh, bring a different culture into a kitchen that, you know, sometimes in New York you lose because everything is so fast paced, rush, mm-hmm. rush. Yeah. Staying grounded, rooted in desire and out of fear all at the same time is not easy to balance. You can look at this concept from many angles. Take career, for example. Ideally, you want to stay grounded, humble, not leading with your ego, but you also need to stay rooted in desire, have a focus, have a path in mind. And then when fear creeps in, you want to be able to navigate away from that to stay on your path. It can be very challenging, but also very rewarding. When it comes to desire over fear, I'd love to hear about some of your struggles and highlights on your journey. Um, You know, like I think like you said, I think you need fear and desire. I mean, I think both of them um, have made me who I am. Uh, You know, the struggles uh, definitely go in with the fear. I mean, it's just uh, having a fear of failing every day going in and just, uh, you know, getting to your shift and you know, I always, I still get nervous before every shift, you know, especially if I know it's going to be busy. I still get sweaty palms as long as I've been in this business. I mean, 20 years, I'm still getting nervous. My, I still get butterflies, which, you know, for me, um, you know, I, that shows me that I desired, I want to be here because, um, you know, my desire gets me through that. It helps me, it, you know, once I get into it, it's that desire of me knowing that I want to be in this situation. Um, so, you know, my struggles every day are, just, you know, some of the struggles I've had is, like I said, just the um, fear of failing, um, you know, the feel of uh, the fear of not uh, being the best. Um, those were struggles for me early in my career, um, especially when I, was, I came up here and trying to compete with everybody who are the best. And, um, you know, I, I fear drove me. Um, so I, I, I like that I had the fear because it did drive me because, you know, even though I, I was afraid of not being the best or afraid of failing. I was also, you know, my desire drove me to not want to fail and not want um, to try and be the best. Even if I'm not going to be the best, there was always a desire. There was always that drive to still, and I still go for that. I still drive to try to be the best Um, and maybe not the best chef, but the best I can be. Um, And so, you know, and those are the highlights. The highlights are, you know, getting through all that. Uh, I mean, you know, just being where I'm at now is a highlight for me. Um, You know, just getting through now that I'm talking with you and thinking back and all those situations and um everything that i've been through you know it's uh it's a highlight that i'm here and um you know i'm still in new york after all these years uh you know i think that speaks volumes you know i've i've known many many people that can last six months here last two months here last a year here and they're like i can't do this anymore i'm out of here um and they're great they're great chefs but they're just at the grind and you know it's just a lot it's a lot here and uh so yeah i mean i think the highlight for me in my career is being here and um that's my desire and my desire was want to stay in new york and be in new york in the past year what's one trip that you've been on that has positively impacted your life now this could be an actual trip overseas or here in this country it could be a trip close to home maybe to a neighborhood in new york city Or maybe it's a good memory, like a trip down memory lane, or it could be a psychedelic trip, whatever trip. (laughs) Um, In the past year, uh, so um, my past year, probably a trip that um, honestly, that means the most to me was uh, getting back to New York um, after the pandemic. Uh, 
you know, I left in, um, right before the pandemic, I left a year before the pandemic, 2019 to travel Europe. Um, uh, I just needed a break and that time, little time off. And obviously I didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. And, um, I came back a week before the pandemic happened. Um, and I le- had to leave again. Uh, and you know, I was very unsure whether I was going to get back to New York. And that was a big thing for me. I really, really, really wanted to get back here. Um, New York was my heart and soul. Uh, you know, I figured that out over the year 2019 and traveling Europe. And, um, I figured out I needed to be in New York. That's where I need to be. It's where, who I am. And, um, you know, the biggest trip for me was getting back here and now I'm here and I'm back. And, um, you know, it means a lot to me. Uh, you know, I think every day that I'm back and, um, you know, I was able, I'm able to be at a restaurant that's busy and, um, an amazing or growing and, um, doing things, doing the food that I love, uh, yeah, for me in the past year, that's the biggest thing for me, you know, just getting back here and um, watch seeing the city come back. And yeah, it's just been amazing. Go back to 2019. What was that like? How did you know? I, I feel like sometimes people don't know, okay, I need a break. I need to step back. What made you realize, let me go travel? Um, I was growing with uh pig and cow and, uh, we were, I was not really cooking at the time. I was running, um, helping, you know, with Lee, I was with Lee, uh, and, uh, we were growing and, um, opening, we were opening another restaurant and I was back and forth and, um, I wasn't in the kitchen and I wasn't doing what I loved. Uh, you know, I was doing a little bit more of the higher, the higher up stuff and the, you know, the business side and which you got to do at some point. And, um, uh, I just don't think I was ready for that at that point. Like I still wanted to be in the kitchen and I think I kind of had lost myself and I'd lost that drive um, since I wasn't working with food as much. And um, I was kind of, you know, just doing a lot of back and forth. Uh, and I just realized that I just needed to get back to food um, uh, for me to find myself and to get grounded again. Um, I needed to get back to food. And for me, that was just getting out of here and, um, you know, going to Europe and just traveling. I didn't work. Um, I literally just traveled, took all my money and just said, you know what, I'm going to Europe. And I traveled, I traveled Italy, I traveled Spain, Portugal, um, all the above. And, um, I just ate and, you know, I did a hike in uh, Portugal. I hiked for 600 miles and, uh, all the way up to Spain and just stopped by all these little towns and just ate. And, um, you know, it was amazing. I traveled all of Italy, hung out with some of the old chefs I know and just, sat back and I worked for them for free for some room and board and did some, you know, did some things like that. And I just really got back to food, um, which I needed to. Uh, and it was something that was, uh, was very, was very much needed. And I came back a different person, you know, I came back ready. What hike did you do? Um, I did the El Camino. Uh, so I did the El Camino. I started in Lisbon and I hiked all the way up to Spain. Um, you know, you stop by all these little towns and you stop by all these little, and you just stay in these little burges and some of them uh, are own, are just family homes. And you literally, you hike 30 miles a day, you get there and these little families are waiting for you. They cook, they give you wine and you sit there with them with, uh, you know, hikers from all over the world. Uh, it was very, very cool. Um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. It was something that I needed to do. It was just something I needed to do on my own. And, uh, just, you know, sometimes you got to recenter yourself sometimes, you lose yourself. So you come back a week before the pandemic. Is that right? Yeah. A week before the pandemic, seven days. <laughs> What's that like? You land, you're, you're here. What happens? Uh, well, I landed here. I had a, a executive chef interview at the standard hotel. Um, I interviewed there and, uh, I, you know, I made it through the first interview and, uh, they wanted to do a tasting. And, um, so I was like, all right, perfect. And we signed up and we were going to do the tasting the Tuesday before the city, the Tuesday, the win the city shut down on Wednesday and they signed it up or they scheduled it for that Tuesday before. Um, I got a call on Monday. I'm staying with my buddy and uh, they called me and they're like, Hey, uh, they were going to have to push this tasting back. I think the city's going to shut down. And I was just like, what? And I, I hung up and I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. And I looked at my boy and I was like, hey, they're saying they think the city's going to shut down. Next thing we know, we woke up Wednesday morning and that was it. Um, there was the pandemic. Uh, thank God I didn't sign a lease before that because uh, that would have really sucked. But um, yeah. And then um, we went down. I quarantined with him for two and a half years down in uh, Long Beach Island. And New Jersey, we just did some pop-ups around there. We did some, I did some private chefing, you know, just that's, you know, just tried to survive for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, like I said, and then that was the journey of getting back to New York. So, 
at one at what point did you seem hopeful that New York was there that you were towards the end of that journey of getting back? What was that journey like? Um, I think uh, so. The second summer, that second summer, we were there for so the first, obviously, the first half year we were there. That was the major like shutdown. Nothing was going on, um, and then that first summer happened, and it was that second summer we were doing our pop up still and. Uh, I think, you know, we realized you kind of started seeing the city kind of come back a little bit. Like we would come up and try to check it out. We'd do some drives and like we had friends here and like, you know, that still had some restaurants and they were kind of starting to slowly open. And um, you can kind of, you kind of got that feeling that it was coming. Um, And, you know, me and him, he's a New Yorker too. And he's in the business. Um, You know, he was like, you know, we were just, we were looking, he was like, do you want to keep doing this? I was like, no, I was like, dude, you know, I want to get back to New York. Like we got to get back to New York. Um, and so I think, you know, towards then, it, like towards that end of that second summer and that pop up, we were kind of just like, I think it was like, you know what, let's just let's finish this and finish strong. And then like, you know, let's do it. Let's just get back up there. Let's just let's do it. And um, I started applying for jobs and uh, I saw the, um, you know, I, I knew some of the people I knew I'd been to Fish Cheeks before. And uh, it was just a thing that popped up on culinary agents for me and on Indeed and. I set up some interviews and I met Jen and Chad. I came to the city and I saw like, I was the first time I actually saw like a being, being in a restaurant again, people in the restaurant. And I was just like, Oh my God, okay. like we're back. Like New York's coming. Like we're coming back and I had a couple of good interviews. And when they called me and um, they were like, we want you to be our chef. I was like, uh, you know, it was, it meant the world to me. I was so excited. And that was it. That's all she wrote. We were like, you know, let's move back. <laughs> let's get out of here. What a great coming home story. Just to see the 2019, the growth, the going away, coming back at the beginning of a pandemic, leaving. I mean, you really, you felt that distance in 2019 and then full circle. Not only did you find yourself before you came back to the States, but you really found, no, this is for me. I am a chef. After the pandemic, when so many people were like, I don't know, should I leave the industry? You know, no, you are in it. And what a great story. Wow. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, totally. And you just hit that. I like, I really, I always wanted to be in it. I never had that thought during the pandemic. Like I said, I'd leave this industry. Do I want to even, I never even had the thought, do I want to be a private chef? You know, I I was doing that. Do I want to do this? Do I want to, you know, go do the online things, do the teaching things? Uh, You know, for me being in a restaurant, there's no better feeling. I just, to me, the energy, I can't, I can't live without it. I I just, I can't, you know, those were a hard couple of years, not being able to be in like, not being able to go into restaurants, you know, that was such a, for me, it was a very dark time. Yeah. Well, I believe that we all have the power to speak things into existence. It starts with how we think about ourselves It extends to our creativity and ultimately how we communicate. And so what I'm describing is a very basic explanation of conscious communication. I'm wondering if in your life, maybe early in your career, did you look at yourself, maybe see the potential with the creative outlet of cooking and speak that career into existence. And when I say speak that career, it doesn't have to be necessarily saying, I'm going to be a chef, but maybe things were popping up, signs, this, like just thoughts were on your mind, like, yeah, this might be the thing. Um, Or maybe it wasn't career, maybe it was traveling, or really anything in life. Um, yeah, it's like I said, when I got out of uh, college and um, even during college, I was a front of house guy. That's what I did. Um, you know, and, uh, I opened up, you know, seven restaurants with some buddies uh, of mine after college. And I was a front of house dude. I was the GM and I trained all the other GMs. And but I kept, uh, you know, it, it food kept coming back. I kept being in the kitchen. Um, I kept wanting to learn the kitchen. Uh, I kept being back there with the kitchen managers. And I kept like wanting to learn the recipes and like doing that. And um I think, you know, I just, I wasn't suit for, I wasn't suited for the front. And, um, I, I, I slowly realized that and I slowly learned and, um, you know, I, and I always had the desire and I knew I kind of, and I had that drive and I always believed in myself. Um, I just wanted, uh, you know, I just, I think that I found the happiness of food. Um, and so I dropped everything and I moved to New Orleans and I started cooking and, um, where that's when, um, I kind of realized that, 
this, this, this is my career. This is what I love. And not only that, uh, you know, this can also take me places traveling. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a nomad. I love to travel. Um, I love to just be out there. I go out on a whim. Um, I don't need a lot. Uh, you know, I'm not scared to just pick up and go somewhere for a week by myself and just, I don't know, figure it out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all part of it. And, um, I think, you know, it was all back in my consciousness that like, this is what I need to do. Um, this is what it is. And that's kind of why I picked up and just moved to New Orleans. And, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time thought I was crazy and thought I was like, wait, you have a good job. Why are you doing this? And I was like, well, I just, I think I need to do this. Um, you know, I think this is where I want to be. And, um, you know, and now we're both in New York and we're both doing great. And it's, you know, it's just it's what it is. And, um, yeah, I kind of, you know, it's, and then I get, and I've gotten to travel. So, you know, I believe that it's, it was always back in my head. And, um, you know, I always loved food growing up. It was always a thing. I was always that kid that would order the most expensive dish at the table kind of thing, you know, just trying it out. Um, so, you know, I've always tried, I always, I eat everything. I try everything. Like I was always that kind of person and kid. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was always there, you know, it was always speaking to me. Um, I think I just, it took me a little while to listen to it. How do you continue to find inspiration each year? Um, uh, honestly, uh, it's really not that hard. I love to learn, you know, learning is a big part of this job. And, um, you know, I, if I feel that I'm like, if I get stagnant and I need to learn something else, you know, I need to, then there's always something else to learn. There's always something else to read. Um, there's always somebody else to watch. Um, you know, honestly, my cooks, my other, my chefs, uh, they keep me driven. You know, I want to teach. I like to teach. It's uh, another reason I do this job. Um, you know, I love to teach. You know, I don't think if I was a chef, I think I'd be a teacher of some sort. Um, I love to teach. I love to um, support uh, people. Um, and so they always keep me, uh, they always keep me going, you know, and they always keep me driven. Um, cause like when I feel they're stagnant, that means that I've gotten stagnant and we need to change up, you know, we need to, you know, do something new. Um, and you know, it's something, I mean, it's almost, it's a, an everyday thing, almost not even an every year thing, you know, you just, you gotta, it's just something, you know, you just stay motivated and you get inspiration from the people you watch, the people you hire and, uh, you know, inspiration from the kids that grow from me, you know, like I've, I have, I've been around the game now, like I've, kids I've learned from me that have restaurants in Singapore now and all over the country. And it's just, that's so, you know, they, they still send me like news articles and they still hit me up on WhatsApp or on text messages. And that's just something that, you know, gives me inspiration. You know I mean? If you can do that for one person then you know, you can do that for a lot of people. I love that. I love that connection. What does your ideal future look like? And this doesn't have to be just career. It could be personal. It could be anything. Um, you know, uh, honestly, it'd be, uh, having my own place, uh, or being a part of a group as a partner, um, with our own restaurants, uh, with who believe in the same thing that I believe in, in this business and hospitality and uh, culture and family. Um, yeah, I think that would make me happy. And then just, you know, being able to, you know, obviously I don't want to be in the kitchen for the rest of my life. I'd like to be on the outskirts looking in. Um, but, you know, and then being able to just kind of relax a little bit. Um, you know, I, I always want to have a place. I always want to have a place in New York. I don't think I'll ever leave New York uh, fully. Um, but I think I'd like to maybe have a little place upstate where I can relax a little bit, um, get out uh, of the hustle and bustle. I think that'd be an ideal future for me, um, having both. I mean, Honestly, I would love to have a place in Europe too at some point. <laughs> um, you know, if the state doesn't work, uh, Portugal or Italy, I would. I love those two countries. Um, I love, you know, they're just how low key they are, and um, you know, so that would kind of be ideal as long as I could have a little home here, still in New York, where I can always fly back to and get in when I need to get my uh, New York fix. Um, but I don't know if I want to be in the city for ever, ever. You know, as long as I can have a little break. I've been hearing about Portugal from so many people in the last six months. What is it about this country that you love? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was everything. The beauty, uh, the people, the culture, the food. Uh, it was amazing. Um, also, it's not very expensive. <laughs> the money, money goes a long way there. Uh, but no, it was, it was everything. It really was. I mean, it's a beautiful country, um, from the mountains to the coast, uh, all the small cities, the big cities, uh, everybody was so friendly. Um, you know, you just, you never felt unsafe. You never felt, 
um, that you shouldn't, that you didn't belong or you shouldn't be there. Uh, you know, it was just, it was honestly, it was eye opening. Um, it was my first time. And, uh, when I did that hike in Portugal and, um, I've been trying to get back, like it's been, it was, it was really, really something different. You know, I love Lisbon. I thought Lisbon was outstanding. The food, the people, the culture, um, you know, you still get a little bit of a big city kind of lifestyle, but it's not, um, yeah, it's just, I recommend it to everybody. I am the same way. It's just like, you got to get there. If you haven't gone, it's just, you got to go. All right. And if you don't know the language, it's easy to get around. Uh, super easy, super easy. Yeah. Super easy. That's what I was worried about. And it was not a thing. And then I'm talking, even in the smaller, I could like, when I was on the hike, I was going through small towns where there was like 200 people, you know, we were up in the mountains and there was like nobody, but it was still very easy to get around. It's not, it's not a tough, not a tough place to get around. It's pretty easy. Have there ever been any signs or synchronicities in your life that led to new opportunities for you in this industry? If so, please describe the moment. And I know that we were talking about like, you know, in the back of your mind, like food was always there and that led you, but this could be maybe, was there anything like literal, like, oh yeah, this one time I was talking to this guy, this led to this job, you know, something a little bit more, you know, like a, a literal sign or a little literal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the one big, the one thing was my mentor in New Orleans was, uh, my executive sous chef when I started off with a blind cook at Dominica on Todd Bossinelli. Uh, he, um, he saw the drive I had and he knew I was very new in the game and, um, I did a lot of reading, right. And, um, he, uh, I, I moved up fairly quickly there. Um, and I worked hard there and, uh, you know, I asked him, I was like, yo, can I, as I, I think I need to go to culinary school. You know, I was like, I think that's what I need to do. Um, cause I, I want to be the best. I want to do this. And he looked at me and he pulled me aside. He goes, listen, if you're in it, he's like, I'm going to give you a books. Okay. And he's like, I'm going to give you a certain, like, I'm going to give you books in this order. And he's like, just study. He's like, I'll teach you everything you need to know. He's like, you're good. Okay. He's like, I promise you. We worked very hard. And the last book he gave me was, uh, David Chang's, uh, his, uh, his, uh, Fuku, his cookbook. And he was like, this is the last one. And he's like, um, I think you would do very well, um, in New York. And he's like, I think you kind of have that in you. And he's like, I want you to read this book. He's like, this is one of my favorite books. Um, and he's like, I think this would be, uh, and it just come out. He's like, I think this would be a very good book for you. I read it and that was all she wrote. I literally walked up to him and I was like, I gotta go to New York. I was like, dude, I gotta go work for this guy. I was like, I gotta be there. Um, and it happened and I got to work for him, you know, and it took me a year to year and a half to, I still was in New York. It took me a year and a half to get up there and get there for him, but I was able to do it. Um, and that was a literal sign for me, you know, when he gave me, that was the last book he gave me. And, um, you know, and he was like, yo, this is, uh, I think this is it. This is the book. You know, this is the one that I think is make is who you are. Um, so I, you know, I owe a lot to him and, um, yeah, that was a literal sign to me. Um, and I did it, I made it and I was able to work for David. Jack. Wow. Wow. Yeah, what yeah. a story. Yeah, it was really First cool. First of all, kudos yeah, really to cool. that guy for taking the time yeah. and doing that. Just that alone. Like that that just yeah. that's amazing that someone could be so selfless and to take their time mm-hmm. out of their life to do that. A. And then B for you to connect and kind of like know and and trust that gut instinct. What was that like from that moment that you had that gut instinct, like, oh, yeah, I got to work for this guy to getting there? You said a year and a half. So how did you go about getting a job there? Um, well, you know, first, uh, after I read it, like, I kind of like it was my favorite. Obviously, I read it and I freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, this book is amazing. Um, you know, I wouldn't shut up about it. And uh, I, I still had some learning to do, though. You know, I knew I wasn't quite there um, and I didn't want to I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to jump the gun, right? I didn't want to come up too early and uh, fail. And know uh, that, I, you know, because once you fail, it's hard to get back. You know, like you, you have that sense of failure and you're kind of, it's hard for people to give it a second shot. Um, I, I knew I still had some learning to do with Todd and I really enjoyed uh, Chef Todd. He was, you know, he, like I said, he was my mentor. He taught me everything. Um, all my beginning steps of being a chef, uh, I owe it to him. Um, and I, and, you know, and I wasn't, I don't, I felt like I wasn't quite done learning from him. Um, 
but the book spoke to me and I just kind of knew like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work for this guy. Like I'm going to get up here at some point when I feel like I'm ready. Um, and you know, like I said, it took a year and a half for me to get there. Um, you know, and I grew in new Orleans. I made it all the way up to an exec chef, uh, exec sous chef position for John Bash and his restaurant group. Uh, and, um, yeah, that, that was kind of all she wrote. And then, you know, when I was ready, I talked to Todd, like I asked, you know, Todd was always in the communication with me and like, we're, we're good buddies today. Like I still talk with Todd. Um, you know, I, I asked him, you know, I just pulled him aside. I was like, you know, I was like, chef, you think already? You think I can do this? He's like, yeah. He's like, you got it. He's like, get, you know, and I just started applying. Um, and they, uh, took me a couple months, you know, and they finally wrote me back and I got up for a trail. And so I flew up, did a trail. Uh, yeah. And that was all she wrote. Uh, did the trail. They accepted me two weeks later. Um, packed my bags. Moved up. Love it. Love it. A flow state also known as being in the zone is the mental state when a person is performing an activity and is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, clarity, and enjoyment in the entire process. It doesn't feel like work. It's effortless attention that you're giving the activity, and it's really a euphoric feeling. It's during this altered state of consciousness that your mind functions at its peak and a sense of happiness flows through your body. For you, it could be as you're cooking. A lot of chefs I talk to, it's maybe like when they're on the line during service, uh, but everyone has a different story. So I'm wondering if you've ever reached this state and if you have, please describe your surroundings leading up to it and what it felt like being in that state for you. Um, I have. I wish I was different. It is like many chefs. Um, it's obviously being on the line. Um, you know, there's, uh, I, you know, it's the, the thing when I was, I love this question. And I, when I was thinking about it, really going through my head, it's so hard to remember those flow state moments because you're so in the zone. It's like almost even after the shift, you're, out with your boys and your and your girls talking about the line cooks, but are talking with the other line cooks and talking about the shift. You almost can't even remember it. I mean, you're almost like they're like, "Wait, this happened." And you're like, "Wait, what?" Um, it's just such a it's such a euphoric experience. Um, it's what keeps you bringing back. It's what keeps you coming back. Um, you have a million bad times for that one good time, and that one good time is worth it enough. Um, I promise you, it really is. Like you know, um, for me, there I know there was a couple times at Sambar where you're just slammed and you're just in it. But you know what? You, you just, all of a sudden you feel it and you're in it and you know, you don't even know the moves you're making, you know, you're turning this way, you're turning that way. Everything has a sense of everything. There's a reason for everything. There's a reason why you're moving and you don't even know why you're doing it. Um, it's just such a smooth flow and everything that's coming out is perfect. It's like, you can do no wrong. And, um, you know, and you're watching the guests and everybody's happy and everyone's saying how amazing the meal is. And it's just such a, for me, it's, that's why I do it. You know, it's, I do it for the people to enjoy themselves. I want people to come in and have that, you know, be able to eat and sit down around with great company, great food, great wine. Um, so yeah, that feeling, you know, and as a chef, that's, that's, that was it as a line cook, you know, it's just being in that groove. Uh, as a chef, it's watching your line do it, you know, you're sitting there calling orders and, you know, they're just hitting on all cylinders and there's nothing that makes you more proud. You know, I think that's, that makes me probably, I'm probably happier for that than even when I was in that feeling as a line cook, you know, cause like you're watching them go through it. Um, and it's just what, why we do what we do. Uh, it's, you know, it's why, it's why you're a chef. It's why you're a cook. I mean, you know, I mean, if there, I don't know why there'd be any other reason. Uh, it's just such a great feeling. And when you get to turn around and watch them and like, they don't even realize they're in it and you can just see it. Um, it's just, you know, and you get to go at the end of the shift and go up to everybody and be like, yo, that was amazing. You know, there was, nobody did anything wrong. That was the best food we've put out in a long time. And, you know, thank you guys. It's just such a, you know, it's so cool to see. It's just, it, it's what keeps you coming back. I agree that even if you're not in it in that moment, watching your team is beautiful. You know, I've had equal, I've been in it. And then I've also stood back and watched the team. And, and sometimes I'll even watch just the, the whole team. I'll watch not just the kitchen. Like we have an open kitchen in my restaurant. So I'll mm -hmm. also just kind of watch the front of house, like everything, like the orchestra between the hosts, the servers, the customers, the music, that everything is a vibe and all cohesive and together. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it brings you back. We have an open kitchen too. It's the same. I mean, it's just just such a beautiful thing. And I mean, even when we go out, even when I go out and eat, you know, I like to eat. I mean, I go out and eat all the time, whether it's with people or by myself. It's it's the my favorite thing to do. Um, and watching something like watching another restaurant as it happens, um, you know, I mean, I'm happy for that. Like, it just makes my experience even better. It's just like watching the. It's just so beautiful. You know, it's like you said. It's perfect. It's like a perfect orchestra. It's a perfect. You know, I don't, it's so hard to explain. It's just, you know, it makes yeah. me so happy. <laughs> yeah, we're both smiling. Like, yeah, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> I know, <I> <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I believe that the journey is always greater than the destination. It's on the path that we learn, evolve, and encounter lessons that shape us into our best selves. I always like ending the podcast by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives. It could be something that we just discussed, a lesson you've learned on your journey, or general life advice that you live by? Um, you know, I, I always try to um, leave nowadays in advice, and especially with kids that are coming up under me um, and anybody else in this business is, you know, for me, uh, mutual respect, treating everybody with respect. I came up with the old school kitchen. I was probably one of the last uh, generations to do it. Um, and seeing both sides, uh, it's just very important to understand where your cooks come from, understand where your dishwashers come from, understand where everybody comes from, understand their culture, um, learning how to talk to people. Um, it's just how you get, uh, it's how you build a team. Um, not everybody is the same. You can't talk to everybody the same. Um, and once you learn that, I think you really start to, uh, that's when your team building really starts to happen and people follow you. Uh, food becomes better. Uh, the restaurant becomes better. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what I would leave with everybody. That's kind of what I've seen over the years. I was in it, I was kind of able to be like one of the lucky ones to see both sides. Uh, um, and you know, it's just, I love the way it's growing and I love the way that it's going. Um, and you know, I just, I, I think it's a better thing because, you know, without, uh, without, without the lowest man on totem pole or the highest man on totem pole, it doesn't work. Um, you need it, you need it all. Um, and you know, getting the best from people, is sometimes just learning who they are, um, you know, getting to know, them, you know, uh, making sure they know that you have their back um, as much as they have yours. Um, I think that's very important. In business. I love that. And where or how is the best way for people to connect or get in touch with you? Come to the restaurant, come to fish cheeks, 55 bond street. Uh, I'm here. I'm always here. Uh, I, you know, I, I work a lot. I work seven days, uh, just maybe not all the time, but I'm always here. Like I said, I love being here. I love the, I, I can't miss a day without you. We just stop and buy. Um, yeah, just come to the restaurant. Come say hi. I'm here. Um, if you listen to the podcast, let me know you hear it and um, I'll come out, talk and um, introduce myself. Uh, be more than happy to, but please come awesome. by. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already follow, have you eaten yet? Wherever you get your podcasts.